Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 27. These episodes are adding up <laughs> of the Hard Truth Inside the Football Industry podcast with me, Philip Eidson, and Darren McAnthony, Chairman and Co-Owner of Peterborough United. Uh, we took a couple of weeks off there for the international break. Good to be back in the flesh. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Do you know what? I, um, I love the international breaks. Only because there's no football. Right. Well, you know you can't <laughs> lose then. No, I love it. I love it. It's just like, it's like mental respite. It's like, mm-hmm. perfect. Like that. You know, horrible way to feel because I used to like miss football when it wasn't on. But obviously, with what's happened this season, I'm I'm so it's like thankful to get a break. Yeah. Obviously, we went into the break off a win, so I was even more. Oh, this is great! Break for like a couple of weeks, you know. But how, how was your uh, couple of weeks? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks. We um, we lost as well. You know, the uh, international break wasn't entirely kind to us, and we went to um, a local game here at the weekend, Orlando City. So Orlando City traitor. Yeah, you know, I was saying to you off mic, they were playing LA and, you know, my uh, yeah, California sensibilities. So uh, I was kind of, uh, I wasn't, I didn't have a, uh, a particular winner that I wanted out What was the standard? Then. League one, championship, league two, what do you think? I think it's probably championship standard. Really? really? Give or take. You, you could see them beating Fulham? No. Oh, it's not top of the championship standard. Um, it's probably league two refereeing. Okay. Um, although it was hard to tell in the game that I watched, it was Orlando City against LAFC because okay. most of the players spent most of the time diving around on the floor. A lot of, was there a lot of that? It like, was a lot of that, which right. uh, more than I've noticed. I've only been to a few MLS games, even though it's just down A lot of Mexicans and Brazilians, is there? In the, yeah, in the there's teams? a lot of South Americans in right. the team, so gotcha. there was a lot of that going on. Yeah, all right, okay. <laughs> anyway, which, forget about American yeah. for soccer for a moment. But, but actually, I think there's a good point there that, you know, the ticket prices for those yeah. games... Not uh, cheap, is it? It's so expensive, mm. you know, and the quality isn't great quality, and yet it's yeah. if you want to sit anywhere that's not the top of the gods, you know, without a roof, mm-hmm. then you're going to pay seventy, eighty dollars. So what's that? Fifty quid, sixty quid yeah. for a ticket per person. Per person, you take a family of four, and yeah. it's you know. My friend reached out to me a couple of weeks ago. He saw like we released our season tickets, and um, he's a massive uh, college football fan. Mm-hmm. So he goes against the Buckeyes and stuff. He goes to watch. He was just going, man. Your tickets are so cheap. Yeah. It's like, you know, to get a ticket in these games is like $500 a head or $400 a head. And he goes, you're paying like $25, you know, for 90 minutes of football. Yeah. I said, yeah. I said, look, I said, I guess I guess people in the UK have been used to certain prices, certain whatever. It's like, I've been around football 15 years and 70 to 20 quid seems to have been always the price. Right. It's like, yeah. while inflation is raging and yeah. everything else is going up and people obviously get upset about, I mean, we froze our prices. I think it, there's mm-hmm. still some people not, overly satisfied with that but look our CEO took a really long term view and it was his decision and we backed it as an ownership group that it was only right after the shit show of this season you know definitely we're not putting prices up you know people have had a rough couple of years you know post-COVID as is the football club financially and hoping that majority of our fans can see what we're doing and we're doing it in the right way and look if if we're back in League One and it looks like that way we're going to do our best to Mm -hmm. deliver a uh, a promotion winning season again that people will feel as value for money so you get the usual people like I, I woke up on Sunday Facebook I only open Facebook once a week that's on a Sunday and the first message that came up someone called Gavin Snell or something like get out of our fucking club you live in America you know nothing you know and, and then there's a like, reason not to open Facebook yeah it was like <laughs> turn it off and then I opened Twitter today and um, it was one of the first comments some 18 year old fan pinging in Andy Hull from Akron and Stanley about what a fucking greedy chairman I am even though he's a posh fan I'm just like what the fuck again so it's like right turn off Twitter but anyway yes yeah, so football at the weekend where do we start um, well actually I wanted 
uh, I, it might be a good segue to talk about sure. financials because sure. you see lots of clubs up and down the land right now releasing all their accounts yes. based on to so the year and ended June 31st, 2021, yeah. which was pandemic. Uh, like the heart of the pandemic. How did you do at Peterborough during that? With, so I think there's no I think fans out. Kieran Maguire put out our accounts recently, okay. did a whole segment on it, you know, whatever. And I think our accounts looked horrific. I think we lost a million quid or whatever else yeah. the last year, what the most recent accounts. But I think what was worse, people were looking at was the ownership now is out 17 million. And mm-hmm. Keith pinpointed that. But a lot of that was deferred debt from before that had become debt. Yeah. So it wasn't new debt. Like it kind of made it out like we only sold X amount of players and ownership had to put in 7 million during the pandemic no I, I managed to navigate the transfer market very well for yeah. us during the pandemic to ensure that the ownership didn't have to overly put in because we were all under pressure mm-hmm. as well you know a lot of things were going on during the pandemic we were trying to buy the stadium we had to pay back rent um, we had bills to pay with no fan income we had what else was going on there was just a lot going on so you know the other day we did a thing on it and I think with Dembele and with Ivan and everything that's come in since, I think since June 2020 to now, in, which is June 2020 to April 22, we've taken in over 10.5 million. Now that's gross transfer mm-hmm. income, so yeah. it would be sell-ons, add-ons, yeah. bits to pay. We've probably taken the most, bar recently relegated Premier League club selling the player, our transfer department, so mm-hmm. to speak, has kept that club you know, going through right. a hard time, right. produced a lot of transfer revenue that other clubs would have loved to have yeah. had, and thus allowing us a to get promoted. You know, do all the wonderful things, and obviously have a chance again next year if we do go down. Whilst at the same time, my partners obviously put a lot of money into buy the stadium. Mm-hmm. You know, that was north of four and a half, five million, or whatever, and then there was back rent to pay. There were all those bits and pieces. So our accounts look horrendous, but they're not that horrendous right. because you know we have. As I've just shown there, and people always laugh when I talk about our player valuations, our squad has value. We're very young players, we have a lot of young assets, mm-hmm. we own our own stadium, our fan base is growing, commercially we're in a good place. League One's going to be a fiscal fucking horrendous nightmare next yeah. year, but that's my job to plug that gap with selling players, and mm-hmm. as I've just said there, the last two years we've done pretty well uh, in doing that. So, they're all the challenges, um, your counts are never going to look pretty. But it's not always as bad as you think it looks. Yeah. Um, and we've managed. I'm, I'm proud, collectively, as an ownership and as a club, and, and I include Bob Sims in that credit as well, because he was the CEO at the time, that we navigated a really, really tricky period. Mm-hmm. And I know everyone wants to rain on about how shit we've been this year and all the reasons for that, but put that to the side and look at the last two and a half years, yeah. I think we've done a decent enough job. In well, you were able to invest in building a promotion-winning team Correct. when you had zero fans in the in the Correct. Correct. Uh, in the stadium. Yeah, correct. Um, with no income. So we managed to navigate that. Now mm. the challenge is to navigate that again, Yeah. this time with fans, but to, to build a side or to have a side that's capable of going again. So that, that that's where we are with accounts. Yeah, and I see lots of other fan, uh, lots of other clubs, I'm sorry, all releasing their accounts. Um, Bradford just released ours yep. this morning. Um, you know, and it's interesting, you see the Premier League clubs and you see these teams who are, you know, they get the congratulations for doing very well. And sure. I know we've talked about teams like Brighton in the past yep. are doing very well. However, the debt load on those clubs is still extremely yeah. substantial. I mean, Mr. Bloom, uh, I, I think mean, it was a 200 plus million yeah. he's put into the club. I mean, phenomenal, you know. Um, yes, the, 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 listen, when you start looking at debt, look, debt's only as bad as is, is when it's getting called in. Yeah. So, Peter, it might be in the books that it owes the owners 15 million or 12 million or whatever it might be. 
and some of the debt could be we factored a player. Mm -hmm. So it's not quite debt yeah. because you know it's transfer income coming in, but we've forward factored the dough. So yeah. you know that money's owed to us as a partnership, the three of us. So unless we called it in, the football club's not in trouble tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And you look at Brighton, or, you know, hundred million or two hundred million to Bloom, but he loves his football club. He's a very wealthy man. Benham at Brentford the same. Mm -hmm. They're not calling the dough in, are they? Right. So it, it's always going to be in a perfect world. You want to clear all your debt, and that was the whole idea of getting to the champ. You know, sustain it, clear the debt out to us, mm -hmm. clear any external debt, have a modern stadium, and just have a football club that wakes up every day with no necess necessity for an owner. Yeah, that's kind of the ultimate yeah. dream. As mad yep. as that sounds, it puts me out of business. You you want your football club in a place where if a bus hit me tomorrow, the club's in really good shape. Yeah, it's a sustainably run football. Yeah, club. hit me or my partners. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. It's really sustainable. So, I guess. Bradford have had their ups and downs, but I guess you probably broke even during this period. Yeah, we uh, so I got the numbers in front of that I just printed off before yep. I came out. You know, we had um, income of about five point four million, which yep. was down from perhaps six or seven from yeah, the year yeah, before. Of course, uh, I think we got over half a million from iFollow, which was uh, good. You know, a good result for us. Yeah. With your we, fan base, that's no surprise. Right, we ended up losing uh, eight hundred and fifty grand on the year. Yeah, uh, the year prior we'd made one point one, so yeah. they looked at that as being a little bit of a so wash. Over two years, it's a wash. Yeah. So your owner's not piling debt on, no. which is good news. I know he gets a lot of, of, of criticism, and rightly so, maybe football performance you can, but he runs a fiscally sound business. Mm -hmm. He's got a CEO, fair play to Ryan, because he's navigating all of this and steering the ship. So right now, if your owner had an issue tomorrow, I don't think your club's gone out of business. No. I mean, we're and that's the, great news. Yeah, we're at the point where we are running without owner, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's without the news. need for um, injection and, of funds from. And anyone. I appreciate fans are screaming, yeah, but we want to win League Two, right? And we want to League One, League One, and we want a person who's going to come in and spend on transfer fees. So look, there's two ways to always look mm -hmm. at it. You could be the fan who just wants to go and take your kid to the football every week and not worry about is the club in existence. Yeah. Are you the fan who wants promotions? Yeah. And you're thirsty for success, so you'll take. 100 million spent, you take debt put around the neck of the club mm -hmm. as long as the ride is fun. Does it take that, you know, going back to the Brightons and the sure. um, the Brentfords of the world, sure. does it take that level of debt load to be able to get to the Premier League today? I, I think, look, I think Brightons is unfair because I think the mass majority of it's the stadium built. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I dare say, take the stadium out of it for a moment. You know, as it, it's probably cost Bloom 100 million for what 15 years mm -hmm. and now they're like they're a top 15 comfortable yeah. well run foot you know Premier and the valuation you could sell the football club in a, a moment and listen you could out. get his money back tomorrow because yeah. brighton now phenomenal academy women's team everything about it is just like a, a proactive forward-thinking modern football club with a beautiful stadium great fan base they could probably get fifty thousand at their stadium mm -hmm. you know what i mean so i would imagine the valuation of brighton now would be north of 250 250 million if burnley was 150 yeah. With all due respect, you know, Brighton's got a newer stadium. You know, they're, they're going to be in the Premier yeah, they League. They've got the catchment year. area. They've got a catchment area. Um, I would say the spend per per fan going into the stadium is a lot more. Mm -hmm. They've got to be north than 250. That gets Mr. Bloomer's family back their money. Yeah. But I don't think he needs the money. Yeah. So, uh, Brentford, same again. If you look at Benjamin, he's one of the most intelligent owners. I don't even think he'd be owed that much because they've always washed their face with big transfer mm -hmm. fees. Even if he was owed 50, 60, 70 million. They're staying in the Premier League this year. Yeah. They're going to get better next year. Again, they got a brand new stadium. No surprise, London. There's a club again, 200 million plus. So in that context, it's like, was it worth it? Yeah, because now the owners have pretty much got their dough back if they want it. And in, with inflation and appreciation and prices of football clubs, it is worth it. So, you know, I'm, I'm not 
I'm not shocked by Brighton or Brentford doing really well. Do you know what I mean? And, and if Bradford got to the championship, they're worth a lot of money. Yeah. If Bradford got to the Premier League, the only two issues with Bradford for me, we spoke about it last week, was the stadium. Because of that lease, they keep spiraling. Mm-hmm. And the training ground. Yeah. They're two key things. Now, would you invest... So let's say you you have a choice, invest in a, a stadium or invest... Invest in buying the current stadium or invest in your own training facility. Where do you put your money? First thing I'd want to do is... If, if if there were if it was Joe Bloggs going in to buy Bradford, first thing for me would be I'd write down back to back promotion. Mm-hmm. That has to be the first thing. So build for that. Then plan B is as those things are happening, training ground. Training ground has to be right. Yeah. And the final part is solve the stadium issue. Yeah. Because if you get number one right, the rise in volume and income that's coming in, yeah. the force of the fans, the size of the fans will allow number three, the stadium thing, to take shape. Even mm-hmm. if you have to go and do a new stadium or put pressure on whoever yeah, loves it. That money becomes negligible when Correct. you're at a... The training ground, that also becomes easier to do. Do you know what I mean? Because again, if you're on a crest of a wave and you're flying and the media's on your side locally and the fans are happy and the city's happy, you can start not bullying people, but you can yeah. start knocking walls down to make yeah. things happen in your way. Yeah, you have so, some leverage. Correct. So say. it has to start with, when you're in the depths of League 2, it has to start with a winning team. Yeah. But it can't be a winning team spunked on 31 and 32-year-olds and five, six, seven grand a week just mm-hmm. to get that promotion. That's just a recipe for disaster. And we've seen clubs in non-league yeah. do that. So, you know, careful what you wish for. Well, let's talk a little bit about football. Sure. As much as uh, we both had defeats at the weekend, mm. um, talk to me about uh, your defeat at Middlesbrough on Saturday. It's a tough week leading up to it. The manager had a really good two weeks in financial break working with the staff. But as, as the three, four days leading up to the game, Ronnie gets COVID. He was in the England team to play, and then he gets COVID, so he's stuck in a hotel room. Um, our captain goes away and plays a meaningless international fixture on a 4G plastic pitch. Basically, a player that we pretty much agreed to sell in yeah. the summer because that was the agreement with him yeah. and would have been 800 grand in our budget next year to help us on our way back. Uh, and, and of course, that sounds heartless of me. I feel for the player he's done his ACL, but he's a strong boy. He'll be back from that. And he's done his ACL. First, we thought it was a PCL, which we all had to look up. Then it came mm-hmm. in, it was an ACL. And I'm good at for him because he wanted to move home. Uh, I'm good at for us that we lose a very, very good player and our captain right now. And I'm good at for next year, yeah. because that was important as well to help us rebuild and come back. You know, you got to make spaces and areas and budgets and whatever else. So then we had Ben to finally return from his injury against Man City, and he breaks his finger with one of the first saves he makes in his comeback training session. And then we add Morton, who we haven't really used that much recently. We, he got a shoulder injury that's ended his season. So at that stage on Thursday, I'm thinking we've been cursed from day one. When I start writing down, I did write it down. It was like it was twenty-three injuries to our squad, mm-hmm. and over twelve of them were long-term and key positions. When you start going through it, to your wing backs, to your goalkeepers, to your central midfielders, to pretty much all your strikers, all these players have missed an average four plus months of the season. Yeah. It's just been an unmitigated fucking disaster. Nevertheless, Grant, being a positive guy, he is was like, "Look, is what it is." He said, "We got Beavers coming in." Manny's going to step up to the bench. You know, he's loving Manny, so he's got a chance. You know, Ronnie will basically, if he gets negative test on Friday night, we'll train him Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Mm-hmm. I think Ronnie did a 90-minute training session Saturday morning, and that was the plan. He said, look, you know, the Norburn thing, nothing we can do. we got Reese, we got Yando. Yando travelled back from Cameroon, by the way, only arrived on yeah. Thursday, and he a lot. Just a lot of things went against us in the international break. No excuse. So then I wake up Saturday morning, I see geez, Beavers wasn't in the team, but on Friday night I was told he was. So Manny made his debut. 
did really, really well. He's really impressed all the coaches. He's got all the attributes, this kid, to be anything he wants to be. Um, needs to keep his feet in the floor, mm-hmm. him and his agent. Need to, you know, be sensible and be humble. And, and he's got a chance. That was his first appearance. Then you brought him in for, um, was it Ramsgate? Yeah, 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 yeah. We've known what we've got in the building. We're yeah. just waiting for him to grow up. Yeah. You know, he, he was very good last preseason, last summer. There's a few things, typical youngster, you know, and whatever else. And we're waiting for those things to come out of him. He's done brilliant in the 23s. The staff are very happy. Mm-hmm. Few, he's got rid of a few bad habits. Um, you know, typical young players, tardiness, this, that, whatever yeah. else. And big thing to Matthew Edrington and Simon Davis, they've helped in the 23s. And Grant's come in. He's trained with him every day. Grant and the staff love him. He's a lovely character. He's a lovely lad. Very grounded. He's physical. He's big. He can pass. He's quick. He's a threat in both boxes, which is something we haven't had on set pieces. Mm-hmm. And he did brilliant. People would caught, accuse him of the second goal. I would actually put that down to the goalkeeper yeah. more than him, if you watch it. But, you know, and, and again, he was, he was kind of at times on his own out on that right side when he had to come out. You know, our wing backs weren't, it wasn't the best game either for them. Mm-hmm. So, really happy with Manny. Um, and he didn't know he was starting. That was thrown on him. We didn't yeah. know until 2 p.m. on Saturday, you know, that that was happening. Um, and we, I really enjoyed the first half. I have to say, the first 45 minutes was really enjoyable. We could have scored four goals. And Middlesbrough were really good. You know, they had something to play for us. They were coming at us. We were coming at them. I fell for the strikers because they weren't getting, there wasn't much creativity for them. But lucky chances fell. Mm-hmm. And we could have scored some goals. Yep. And unfortunately, you know, there were moments where you look back and go, fucking, you know, got to score that goal. Two yards from goal, a one-on-one with a goalie, um, that a goalie wins. Little things like that. And it's just, yeah, sometimes bodies need to be put on the line those to win moments. football games. Those moments when you're mm-hmm. fighting for your life. So anyway, disappointing. We came out, we, we conceded a goal, um, crappy goal to concede. And then you come out in the second half, Grant made a, you know, an attacking change, brought Ricky on, who obviously been missing, and they score pretty much instantly. When we're on the attack, they go down and score. And then I think at 2-0, the white, I'm not going to say the white flag, because that sounds overcritical, yeah. but I think the players, you know, the players heads, look... Heads dropped. Heads dropped. They look yeah. lethargic. Everything that was good against QPR was the opposite here. I know the manager was angry. You know, he, he doesn't. He expects more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, we were great last year at home, and we've turned out this year not to be great at home. And that's something we have to fix if we want to get promoted again. So disappointed because Peterborough in the past at two 0 wouldn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. There's loads of time. There's 40 minutes left in a game. Gives a fuck. You fight for your lives. You go down and score. You put the heebie-jeebies on them. You had the confidence that you could go and score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but unfortunately, for whatever reason, you know, we're lacking in areas for for maybe leadership like that. Yeah. And we have been all season, and and that's something we have to address. Where someone, it's it's all right when you're winning games every week. Maybe you don't necessarily need leaders. Great leaders are loud leaders, but when you're not winning, when you're always against it, when you're going behind, that's yeah. where you need talkers. You need people who get at it, get into it. You know what I mean? So we got battered four 0 in the end. It wasn't reflective of the game. You know, it would have been if that had been two one or three one. You were like good game, posh. Yeah, you know, I remember looking at half time. I think we'd had six shots on goal. They'd mm-hmm. had two. You know, on targets, it was just one of them. And then it's by the end, you think, oh, posh reps, you battered and tanked. And no, it was, and, and to be honest, they had five shots on target mm-hmm. and we conceded four. And that, that ratio, that's been like that for a while. And that's something we have to address for yeah. next year. You know, we, we, we need to be better. So, and, and conceding 18 go- 80 goals in the championship, I know our defenders are better than that. But their record says they're not. But I know they're better. 
So they all have to look at that as well. So that that's reflective of them. So yeah, just a just a well, irritating day. Well, and you've not really been have you've not been able to have a settled back far. I mean, you talked no. about it with uh, the injuries that you've had and yeah. all these situations. Um, Nightmare. It's hard to get consistent. Well, back five when you put the goalkeeper in, you've gone through what three, four goalkeepers this year. But yeah, three. Oh, there was three goalies, um, multiple injuries. Cornell's also been injured. Um, obviously, Ben is out now for the season. Uh, Chrissy Pym had injuries at the end of last season and then he wasn't in the best shape in the summer and then he fell out with a manager mm-hmm. um, we've lost Dan Butler back in December Nathan Thompson a couple of months ago um, Beaver's on and off with his hamstring all bloody season um, Jack Taylor uh, 40% of the season Ollie Borden Auburn now you know also missed games in January because of his shenanigans Randall we paid a lot of money for you know can't get him on the pitch he's finally on the pitch we think we'll get him right for next mm-hmm. season Grant now is, is working on a plan there Paku missed three months with COVID on and off and, and things um, Marriott did his hamstring four and a half five months Ricky missed five months Clark Harris missed I think up to ten games between the ban yep. injuries form weight um, I'm sure I've missed some players in there somewhere but you could name an 11 with the amount of injuries we've had this season and it's and not an excuse we've not been good enough our conditioning's been horrible the whole season yeah. that's from last summer and our conditioning's been disgraceful like abs- the manager his training now what's going on the sessions they're doing worlds apart our players before would play on a Saturday have Sunday off and then come in on a recovery on a Monday mm-hmm. that's two days off basically whereas usually it's if you have a Sunday off Monday you come in and train but Sunday's in essence the recovery day yeah. But no, before it was like basically they, you know, they'd go again on a Tuesday, and you can just see at this level, we're, we're changing all that. We've got a new physio hired, new sports scientist hired, really good pedigree, both of them, and um, fulfill the remit for Grant, good coach. It's going to be different, mm-hmm. but we need to be a lot fitter. Yeah. And too many key players have had these issues we haven't fixed, and it's gone on too long. So that that there has to be remedied and fixed, and needs to be fixed quickly. So too much crap, and and leadership, mm-hmm. leadership's been an issue like most of the season and you know that needs to be fixed as well for next year so yeah painful 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 who have you got next Luton Luton are flying we've got yeah. them tomorrow night yeah, I think Luton are fifth so uh, yeah we've got them tomorrow night at home we need to win we need to win some games at home we were so good last year at home and we've just since we beat Millwall in December we've just been shocking at home mm. which is so unlike us and it's so our fans were great on Saturday. It was nearly 12,000 crowd. It was a great crowd. Middlesbrough brought a great batch. Luton are doing the same tomorrow. Our fans deserve some home wins. You know, whatever we've got left at home, we've got to try and win them all. And you want to get some confidence back going yes. into the summer, don't you? We'd started, up until that game, we'd score goals in four games. Yeah. We looked dangerous again. And then all the bad habits came back. And you're thinking, if we'd taken those chances in the first half on Saturday, Jono from two yards, Sammy had a couple of one-on-one opportunities. If we'd taken those chances... That was going to be an interesting game. Mm-hmm. That would have been another 2-2 or 3-2. And, and that just gives everyone confidence. Oh, Christ, Peterborough look like they score goals again. So, I don't know. Luton are obviously in good form. We'll see you tomorrow night. Challenge to the players now is, you know, if the white flag is, is raised, if that's what's happened with the second half and whatever else, if they feel like that, I guess we'll see it in the performance. Mm-hmm. But if the players really want a high standard for next year and really want to be part of it and think, well, we want to try and win a league, Let's see if they can go out and put a performance in against Luton. What are the players playing for? And I, I ask this not just for for you specifically with your Peterborough team, but you know when players are in this situation where relegation looks more likely than not, they're and you're coming for, to the end you, of the season, Phil, they're playing for their fucking careers. They're playing for you, you say that, and you, we are relegated most likely. But then you look at it and go, well, actually, the other players got seven games left. There's nine points. 
So if you're playing to yeah. stay in the league, go win all the fucking games. Right. Like, go do the impossible. Like, you know, you, when you're trying to win games and you're trying to put everything on, you shouldn't be losing three or four nil. Your players should be fighting. There should be blood coming out of mm-hmm. your players, right? Because if they really want to be championship players, they, every single if all eleven of them gave all the same and put in the work, they could win every game. Yeah. But the problem you've got is they don't. They don't, mm-hmm. and that's football for you. You'd always get a lot of six out of tens, a couple of five out of tens, mm-hmm. maybe one eight out of ten. When you're winning promotion, majority of your players are playing at seven eight out of ten yeah. every weekend. That's how you win promotion. At this level, the standard's so high. Our players, we've never had enough of them playing at an 8 out of 10 mm-hmm. level. QPR, for probably 55, 60 minutes, they were at that level. If they took that into every game, we'd win the majority of the seven. Yeah. But we won't. So that, one, one or two players can't carry the rest of the team. No, they can't. Not good enough. Can't do it. Can't do it. Liverpool can play like shit. Seven, eight players can play like shit. Mo Salah could carry the team. Right. Mane could carry the team. That can happen. Jared used to do it all the time mm-hmm. for Liverpool. Do you know what I mean? But... No, they can't. So therein lies, that's the truth, that's the reality. You know, what are the players fighting for? Everything. Everything. Like, I mean, everything. You go 2-0 down, okay, fight. Don't give up. Would a new club be looking at how they finish the season when they're looking at their recruitment in the summer? I'm thinking about their players' the players' careers, or does nobody really care about that? I, I, no, you know, I when I send my scouts out now to look at players, it is something I put on my scout tip sheet for the scouts. We've got a player we're looking at this Saturday and he's playing in a meaningless match in mm-hmm. League One. And it's like, have a look and see how his attitude is. Yeah. Oh, I've got his dad on what he runs in games usually. Let's see if he drops below that. Mm-hmm. And that'll tell me as a 21-year-old what the mindset's like. Yeah. Now, you want to see winners. Winners never quit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Quitters never win. That's my favourite saying. Yeah. So let's wait and see. And it'll be interesting to see if my players tomorrow night have, have completely thrown it in and have looted and batter us. And it's interesting that that will show in the data. Of course it will. It was, I think, Saturday, and I said to the gaffer after the game, that's probably the least we've run all season in yeah. the second half. Yeah, and that's sometimes where the spirit and the heart's broken. So, but, yes, look, Grant's had a lot to deal with. His staff have had a lot to deal with. The players, some of them, the ones who've been ever-present, have had a lot to deal with. You know, I, I feel for them. Because mm-hmm. they're looking around, they're 11, and they're just like, yeah, my left wing-back's not here, my right wing-back's not here, Central midfielders and ACL, two strikers, half fit. You know, I've been fit all season. I played 50 times, do you know what I mean? But like everyone around me, oh, hang on, the guy behind me, I don't know who the fuck he is because he's just in the building or, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So yep. I feel for somebody ever presence. And, you know, the, the saving grace, I guess you look at it is your Ronnie's, your Harrison's, now your Ricky's. I, I'd like to see Ricky get a run of games. He absolutely fucking obliterated over Swansea mm-hmm. and then obviously got a shoulder thing. And then we lost the game. And then obviously he wasn't uh, available against QPR. But he looked sensational. Uh, he's never, ever played more than two games in a row. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see him play yeah. seven in a row. And and get a, and Joe Taylor as well, get some games. And then get a glimpse of what next year's about. You know what I mean? And, and Marriott, I think Marriott and John are going to feed off them too. And I think you'll see by August, completely different bodies in them too. Mm-hmm. I think if we get them in shape, two former Golden yeah. Boot winners at League One, with them two young'uns behind them, to, to carry like late games to, to help them to whatever else I think it's going to be very different and and there are areas we have to improve but I know people on the media and the BBC are just like you know the squad are not going to win promotion from League One da, 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 da. I have to believe they're wrong you know I have to believe that we've got 
a very, very good squad for League One with some additions and some departures. Well, it's recency bias. We talked a little bit about it mm. off mic, you know, that people only remember what's what's in front of their face. Correct. And so it's like nobody remembers what it was like to, you know, get these 5-0 wins playing free-flowing attacking football Go like you did last year. Go battle play with 3-0. Right. Go do that. Go beat Wigan twice. Go fucking... Who else did we beat? We went away and won at Hull. Mm-hmm. You know, all those wins, you know, the important wins. Go and fucking, you know, come from 3-0 down against Lincoln. You talk about being 2-0 down. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about bodies on the line, yeah. you know, hearts and souls. 3-0 down, your promotion's gone up in smoke. What are you going to do about it? Fuck this. We're going to bring it back to 3-3. Yeah. That's what you need, right? And I know the BBC and they're paid to make comments and other commentators are and everyone wants to go, this would be the worst League One team ever. With all due respect, our younger players would be miles better. Mm-hmm. Our players who haven't been fully fit this season, trust me with this management team, they'll be like fucking machines by the time they come back. We'll make two or three signings in area. It probably the one area will be the centre of the park. Yeah. When you think of what's happening in the summer, we've only got Jack Taylor and Janda be fully fit. So mm-hmm. we're going to have to make signings there. And then you look at the defence needs a, a confidence builder because of the goals they've conceded. Yeah. But a lot of those defenders won us promotion last time. Yeah. So again, and goalie, goalie situation, we need a new goalkeeper. Do you know what I mean? So again, a lot of those things will be fixed in and down. And our pre-season tour is already booked. It's done. We've already done that two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We know we're going to Portugal. We'd managers already told us when everyone's reporting back, the season starts earlier. We know how many games we're having in July. We know that the pitch is going to get worked on the minute mm-hmm. the season's finished, I think like two weeks later, so that we have a home friendly in July before we start. We haven't yeah. had a home friendly for two and a half years. Right. All these little things are getting ironed out. And I, and I have to say, that's the professionalism of the manager and the staff, and that's giving me that, okay, you know, gym work, what are we yeah. doing? I've been screaming for eight months. I can show you emails from my Dropbox about the red zone of weight, mm-hmm. of where I'm getting reports where like five of our squad are in the red zone for body fat. And I'm screaming since July. And I did my Dropbox. All the emails I've sent to the sports science team, to the ex-gaffer, mm-hmm. his assistant going, these are professional footballers. What are they doing with 14% body fat? Yeah. There's not one of them. There's five of them. Like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And we're meant to be a championship football club. So I'm pulling my hair out, but I, there's nothing I can do, is there? So I don't think that'll ever happen again. Well, we lost 2-1 at the weekend. Yes, uh, we lost good Bristol Rovers side. It was a good side. It was one of those games where I don't know how today it was still 2-1. You know, they battered us right. completely. Um, 0-0 at half time. They deserved to be out of sight by then. We scored 20 seconds into the second half and thought, hang on a minute, you know, maybe uh, the team talk was good and we're going to turn things around. No, I just... Uh, Falls down. Yeah. Um, so 2-1 was... Um, How many of the 11 that you fucking saw on Saturday would you keep for next year? That's a great question. Mm. Um, I've got to think, without having the 11 in front of me, mm. two or three, That's maybe. Yeah. Are most of them contracted? Uh, no. Okay. So there's a lot about the contract. The okay. ones that I would probably keep are out of contract, and I imagine they would go. So somebody like Apadi O'Connor, mm-hmm. uh, somebody like Elliot Watt, you know, both of those are out of contract in the summer. Um, there's, you know, folks that are injured who haven't had a chance that maybe they'd be good enough, but I don't know, they just haven't shown that they're good enough to... There's some good technical ability in that squad, but there's just no creativity, and maybe that's something that Mark Hughes will work on because he's come in, he's worked on the back, you know. Mm-hmm. We've, um, we look better at the back, mm-hmm. although there were a couple of mistakes at the weekend. More solid. But more solid, yeah. As soon as we get the ball forward, it's like, okay, we get... Halfway into our own, into the attacking half, and we stop. Where's and your Madison? 
Where's yeah. your puku? Where's your creativity? Where's everyone your link between the strikers? Yeah, everyone stands around yeah. and it's like, okay, what do we do next? Who's getting on the ball? Make something happen. Yeah. Dembele. You see Dembele's got for ball. I didn't see it. No, I saw he scored, but I didn't see it. I've told you, you watch, he'll be the next 20 million mm. in a couple of years, you know, I'm in Bournemouth. All these fucking idiot clubs that didn't try and get in an auction. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, so, um, you know, I think that there's going to be a big clear out. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, it'll be interesting. They had a, a kid, did Bristol Rovers, uh, Elliot Anderson, mm-hmm. Newcastle, yep. a youngster, yep. class above anybody else on that pitch by a country mile. And you yep. think, you know, if Bristol Rovers can attract Lonnie's like that, then yeah, you can we should be able to. Fucking buy a mile, you can. Especially with Mark Hughes and his contacts as he manages. 100%. So. And yeah, how many loans were in the Bristol Rovers team? I don't know, to be honest with you. There's a lot of experience in that team, though, isn't mm-hmm. there? I would yeah. imagine it's like hardcore identity of Joey Barton. Now there's got to be two or three, like. Oh, and they were, you know, jumping all over the place and falling to the floor as soon as they were touched. Of course. And, well, listen, the, the dark arts, I mean, I have no problem with yeah. that because I think every team has to have a side to them mm-hmm. to get promotion so no problem but they were on a roll they looked like it was one of the best no phenomenal phenomenal I'm, I'm, I'm glad for their owner mm-hmm. I really like him you know what I mean like I said to you you know he reached out to me we were on promotion really nice yeah. message and you know I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for them if they go up so that where they were like back in August September yeah you know, oh we yeah were, they we were, were down like the what on earth they're doing keeping him they've lost like 9 and 10 yeah. 10 and 11 and uh, phenomenal it's kind of a fascinating table as well I'm just kind of pulling it up right now uh, you got three points between third and eighth. Oh, yeah. Um, five points between 11th and third. Phenomenal. So, I mean, it could go down to the final day of the season and yeah. nobody knows who's even going to be in the playoffs. Or Forest or, Green have got their wings back again, so they seem to be mm-hmm. back up and running. Exeter in second now. Oh, shock. Um, but, my tips. Uh, and Stevenage falling into the bottom two, so Oldham climbing their way out of the bottom. Evans two. not won since he's gone there? Uh, no, their form is four defeats and a draw Oof. the last five. Wow. So um, it's getting to be uh, tough times. Tightening up. There. Um, now, we talked about finances earlier. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to bring up, as well as all the finances being talked about and everyone sure. kind of releasing them, uh, intermediary fees, agent fees, mm. were also um, discussed. Fulham. And the money they spent. <laughs> yeah. Where is it? Fulham, £10 million. Pounds. Yeah. Um, although this is for a period where you know they were in the Premier League yeah. for most of the time, yeah. so so it's going to look like yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, apples yeah, to apples. Yeah, yeah. correct, correct. Um, and they would have spent I don't know fifty to eighty million on new players. Mm-hmm. So you start taking that into account. What what's the ones that scream out at you? Who are the ones that concern you? Um, well, actually, what I wanted to you concern the posh. <laughs> well, I mean, what are you? You're three hundred thousand. So yeah, but you have to understand as well. Taking into context how much we pay in transfer fees, right. we pay millions. Yeah. So with that comes sometimes bigger agents fees. Yeah. You know, to, to get players like Schmodox and Clark Harris in the building when they could go to bigger clubs than us, right. sometimes you have to do what you got to do, you know, in the, in the legal, legitimate way. So and that's actually one of my questions is like, what what goes into the paying of these intermediary fees? Is it is it just um, scout payments for joining the transfers? Or kind of, as we think about that number... No, a lot of agents now, 5% is the number everyone wants to do, but a lot of the time you're paying 10 and 12. Mm-hmm. And particularly if that agent has a player that everyone wants, you're going to be paying 10%. And you're going to be doing it legally. Whatever way you do it, the structure, it has to be done the right way, otherwise it won't be an approved transfer. Yeah. But you're going to end up paying a lot more than 5%. And... Um, and if you want certain players, you're going to have to pay the piper. Yep. Then there'll be agents of players who are like maybe younger players who you're giving new contracts to and you're saying, no, you, you know, that comes out of the player. Yeah, That's just the horrible side of the game. And then a lot of those agents will go, well, we're not going to charge the young player because it's his yeah. first contract and da 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 You know what I mean? So it is what it is, you know. It's, 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 it's a necessary yeah. evil in our game. Now, do you typically pay as a selling club as well or is it always just a buying club? A selling club, very rarely do I. But like if I'm selling... 
a player why am I paying an agent mm -hmm. I, I do the selling fucking you know an agent ain't getting me 10 million for Ivan Tony right. I'm doing that fucking deal the agent should be paying me by the way mm -hmm. do you know what I mean and I've had agents like thank me Asan Belonga's agent even yeah. Ivan Tony's agent like yeah. thank me for the deals I've managed to do and get them done and the yeah. structure you know so I, I see that sometimes where it's like clubs are paying someone to facilitate a transfer mm -hmm. now in an event I don't know if somebody comes to us and it's legal and they're like we represent a club who wants to buy your player but you have to pay us to meet the club if yeah. the deal happens sometimes if that's a foreign deal that's the way it can work I get it now, if you're getting enough money in the sale you can pay and again as long as compliance is right and you're sticking within the lines of the legality which sometimes is a lot of grey area mm -hmm. and thank god I've got a great football secretary in Liz you know Barry's experience so we always do things by the book yeah um, now is there other agents who you know are going to requ uh, require a higher percentage oh, than yeah. others oh yeah Absolutely. So you know, oh, I know crap. When I said I'm Bass, dealing with this Bass, agent, get on to such and such player's agent. We really like the look of him. We're probably going to put a bid in. Baz will ring me and go, such and such agent. My wife will tell you, my word be fuck. <laughs> Do you hear yeah. me say it over and over? Yeah. Like, and sometimes I can't buy a certain player because there are agents I can't deal with. Mm -hmm. Vice versa. Like we had a player in the summer. <laughs> it was really funny. And Darren. For whatever reason, a lot of agents used to always ring Darren as well. They always think they go to the manager. It's soft. It's a softer touch. Mm -hmm. No disrespect to managers, but I think they are when it comes to transfers. Well, they want the player, players. don't they? Right. So Darren rang me and said, "Look, we're not getting this player because the agent um, won't deal with uh, the club." And I'm like, "What do you mean won't deal with the club?" Well, apparently, you know, based on him dealing with us 15 years ago, we're like the worst club to deal with, the worst players. And I'm like, 15 years ago." Like, are you fucking kidding me? We were at the bottom of League Two. Right. Like, things have changed. No, won't even Baz is mortgaging his house to pay the yeah, bills at that point. <laughs> absolutely. And probably abusing every agent that fucking <laughs> rang up is probably what I did, you know? But again, wouldn't even have a conversation. You just get some agents like that. Yeah. And they're just like, wow. And you get some agents where you might have had rucks and wars with and they, they hold a grudge. And this is where players are weak as piss sometimes, where the agent will dictate and go, my player's not coming to you. Yeah. But we've, we've told, yeah, told the player he's not going to you. You want the player to go, hang on a second, I want to hear what Peter Ruff to say. But typical players, mm -hmm. fucking no chance. So when I look down the list, yeah, I mean... Yeah. Um, what screamed at you? It was, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, so I'm looking at um, the championship. There's, there's such a difference between those that were promoted from League One, like yourself, like Hull. It's called parachute pants. Yeah, versus, <laughs> um, you know, the other end. Um, I mean, you've got your Fulham's 10 million. We talk about Forrest paying nearly two and a half million. Um, Stoke being three and a half, you know, those are clubs that have been in the championship for a little while. And yeah. There's some big numbers there. And on the flip side, um, you know, you have Coventry, 800,000, Luton, 500,000. Yeah, I mean, that, that's know. chunky for Coventry, but I guess they would turn around and say, well, we've had some big sales and yeah. we've brought some big players in. And, and, you know, there was a couple of Coventry fans recently on my Twitter stream having a go about our season tickets. And one of my fans in fairness put up a response to that and said, well, you know, you got your 20,000 fans, we've got our seven or eight. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's apples and oranges yeah. to, to compare what we do and what you do. So 800 grand is a lot. Luton, 500 grand. No, Luton are fifth in the league. So they turn around and go, well, actually, that's money well spent. Right. <laughs> money yeah. well spent. I mean, people wouldn't notice it if it was just going straight on the transfer. No. What's, uh, what about League One? Who's the biggest yeah, spender? Yeah, in League One, biggest spenders are Sheffield Wednesday, 800,000. Ipswich, nearly 800,000. Um, those stand out by a country mile. So I'd say, you know, Sheffield Wednesday you may expect because they came down from the championship, but Ipswich is 800,000. What about clubs who recently been in administration? 
Um, Bolton, 115,000. Okay. Um, let's see, going down that list. It's interesting, Crew, 3,000, basically nothing. Um, however, you know, look where they're on the policy. table. Yeah. Agents will know when they're dealing with Crew. You're not um, getting paid. Players to pay you. <laughs> Rotherham, 150, which is low to me. Yeah, but Rotherham were in the champ. Right. So, no. We, I mean, yeah. that's low to me because they were in the championship. Yeah, no, no. But now Tony Stewart play, yeah, runs a good ship. Wigan, 355,000. Yeah. After just all the issues. Yeah, and I guess Wigan's argument would be, well, if that funded this year's promotion yeah. run, um, you know, so be it. And they've got a new rich owner. I guess people in football will go, but hang on a minute, they were in administration, da 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 da, da. But look, they're the laws of the game there. Everyone can pay what they want. Once you come out of administration, it You can do it. It's, it's open season. Like, yep. you know, you, you can't be criticised just because your club maybe had issues two years ago. If you want to go up again and up the ante, that's the way it goes. Yeah. And then League Two, um, it was Salford, highest 116,000. Yeah, no shot there. Uh, we can you imagine uh, what Wrexham's bill would be like if you went down to the conference? Right. <laughs> um, in fact, Bristol Rovers beat them by a couple of thousand pounds, but they were obviously League One the season before. Yeah. And then we were third with 108,000, which we didn't get much for. Mm, but did you, yeah, what was that spent on? I don't know. Maybe did you some buy freebies? players? Uh, freebies? Yeah, we bought some. I mean, we did some ins and outs um, when Lee Turnbull came on board, mm. so it could have been. Um, it was our five minute uh, opposition scout. I know. Played for both clubs. Now the chairman season. of Scunthorpe. <laughs> <laughs> what a random move that was. Yeah, look, you know, at the end of the day, it happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. I the gaffer, you know, brought him in, and uh, yeah, he's got a, a, a bigger job. Well, his, um, you know, his background has got a lot of history with Scunthorpe too. Hasn't yeah, he? of course, absolutely. Um, Wish him well. And so there, it's a bit of a range. So I mean, I don't think there's anything out of the ordinary, but you know, you see folks getting upset. Um, in fact, who's I, getting upset? Well, I think just fans generally get upset with people paying agents. I think because as well with COVID and everything that happened probably expecting like it to be a lot less yeah but but again i think you look at things you go oh, fulham 10 million like we said it does it have a little asterisk there saying well actually fulham were in the premier league when they paid yeah. you know paid those fees. you know what's interesting i have the uh national league here as well oh give it to me um so top of the national league 131 grand stockport well i know the guy who owns stockport he has um, deep pockets so then you have wrexham at 80 grand there'll be a lot more this year oh i'm sure because this was some of the deals really they've done with dad's army they've signed and obviously they're, they're doing the job for them I would imagine they've paid out fortunes. Well, we'll see if they've done the job come the playoffs. Because are they not up? Are they not top of the league? They no. Uh, I have the table somewhere in front. I of I saw me, Ryan Reynolds. Was he not running on the pitch the other day? <laughs> that's. Did you see the score? They they beat. Uh, I saw the one last week where it was six, six five. five. I mean, that's like Peterborough of like ten years ago. I against, love that scoreline against Dover. You know, I love poor old Dover. Who had minus three points? So they were five season. two up, weren't they, or mm -hmm. whatever? Jesus! I watched the highlights for that one. Shit. Uh, yeah, Stockport top by ten points. Oh, uh, Halifax so, second, Wrexham third. So Wrexham are going to be in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Well, you'd imagine with their listen. That's why you sign all the thirty odd Jarrells. The guys from League One, the guys who are on big wages, the agents you've paid, if they can't do the business in the playoffs, then you go, we've spunked all that money. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd be, I'd go down there with a machine gun afterwards if none of those <laughs> veterans got your promotion from the playoffs. So, I would expect them. Who else is in the playoffs? Uh, Notts so, County in there? Yeah, so you've <laughs> got um, Wrexham and Halifax, uh, second and third, and then you've got Solihull, Moors, Chesterfield, Notts County, Grimsby. Wow. If Chesterfield hadn't lost that striker, would have been different. You know, the boy up top who I think he hurt himself, Kish. Uh, yeah, Tishmanga or yeah, something like that. Yeah, if they hadn't yeah. lost him. Um, Halifax, wow. Yeah, I mean, he's he, you know, he was in wow. he was in contention for the City job. Was yeah, yeah, wild Because yeah. he's done a great Phenomenal. job there. Phenomenal. Look, you got to... Listen, Wrexham are on a bit of a crest now. I mean, their form's pretty good. They mm -hmm. score goals for fun. 
they're going to have a big crowd at their. At the, they have to play two home games in the playoffs. So, and if they go to Wembley, you would fancy they would bring more fans than anyone else to Wembley. Oh yeah, would you imagine? So it's got to be Wrexham. Yeah, I'm a bookie. My money's on Wrexham. All right. I mean, it's hard. And Ryan's to- going to be running across the pitch all over again. <laughs> It's hard to bet against them, and Phil Parkinson has playoff experience as well. That's true, yes. He got us promoted yes. through the playoffs. Yep, 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 yep. Um, you know, it may, may not be pretty football, but it does the job. If they get out of non-league, yeah. my missus said to me yesterday, weren't Wrexham above us when you first bought Peterborough? And I'm like, yeah, I, I want to say they were either in the same league or the league above right. us. Right, they were in League Peter. One for a while, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, I said they were like a bigger club yeah. than us. And I said, that just shows you football. They've been in non-league for a good few years. Yeah, and once you get down there, yeah. we've talked about it before about oh, fuck me. the dangers of investing in a national league club. Yeah. You know, Stockport. I mean, I, you know, I used to love them. Stockport were our big yeah. rival with Jim Gannon. So fair play. I mean, they're going to win. They're going to go up. I know the guy behind them. He was in the property game, I think, and he's done very well. Yeah, and you got Torquay mid table, South End mid table, Barnet. You know, actually probably doing well to stay up, Jeez. given they've had a couple of bad years. But wow. uh, and then York in the national league Premier. Uh, Northern Premier and they haven't been able to get out of that for a while wow so still some big clubs around uh, boys. the National League well let's take a quick break yeah. and we'll come back obviously after we'll talk about what else is happening in football obviously Man City Liverpool next weekend is, yeah. the, is the big one so uh, we'll right. see you after the break we'll do hey everybody welcome back to the podcast and uh, we had a couple of things that we didn't cover off before we took our break um, we had a, de- a political debate in between <laughs> didn't we that's always fun <laughs> we put the yeah. world right we did we did. Um, we're we did. still we talking did. you'd want that in recording but not nowadays yeah. so we're turning people off <laughs> um, so where were we we're going to talk a little bit about the Premier League yeah we're going to talk title race yeah one getting, point in it at the moment that's getting juicy I mean I'm, I'm going to be hiding me on the couch next Sunday uh, City Liverpool so I actually don't think he wins that wins the league so mm. I, I just you know look if it, it's safe to say if Man City win you're thinking mm, yeah, you know, it's going to be tough to mm. Liverpool have a tougher running mm. that's the problem so but the one thing Liverpool are just I uh, have to say superfluous I mean no matter coming off an international break they weren't at their best uh, against Watford Roy Hodgson tried to frustrate them but you know again when you're winning when you're not playing well it's always a good sign yeah. fair play to Man City you know Burnley never easy going away to home to them you know it, I can't pick it who could you pick right now well I mean We've been thinking it's Man City running mm. away with it. And then yep. here you look at the form. I mean, Liverpool have got the form over Man City. Ten in a row they've won in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't pick it. The only thing in my mind I'm hoping is that Man City have wanted to win that Champions League. Yeah. And they obviously fell short last year in the final. And does Guardiola look at it and go, you know what, that is our, that's the holy grail. Mm-hmm. That's what I have to put on my CV here. And then in the closing weeks, as they make the quarters and the semi-finals of the Champions League, that's where all the focus goes. Yeah, that's the only thing. And if that happens, Liverpool win, and they win by four or five points. So let's wait and see. It's going to be interesting. It's going to. It's nice that we have a title race. <coughs> hey, listen. To be fair, the last four years, last year not so much, but three out of four years, it's been City and Liverpool all the way. Yeah. And and you you know that's testament to the two managers. So nobody else comes close. Chelsea obviously got battered by Brentford, which is phenomenal. So. Mm-hmm. You know, and it hangs us on for our, our extra promotion you bonus. Uh, <laughs> your bonus yeah. yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. The relegation thing's taking shape. Who's gone down? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to see anything other than the three in the bottom three. Watford, Norwich, Burnley, Norwich, right? Yeah, Watford, Burnley, yeah. I mean, Everton, three points uh, clear, two in hand. Oh, 
I mean, yeah, it's you can't believe it's come to this for them that they're still fourth bottom. But Do you know I what? Know they just got enough. They'll probably fuck us as well when they play Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Isn't that always the way? Game. It always is the way. But yeah, I mean, how many points are they clear, Evan? Uh, three. Two in hand. They're three clear of who? Three clear of Watford. Two in hand, and they have a better goal difference by ten. Ooh, how many games left? Uh, well, what's it's thirty-eight game season, so they got ten games less. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> it's going to get very tight down there. Yeah, I mean Newcastle stuttered again, haven't they? After they had a nice winning run, they've lost yeah. three in a row. Got a stuff on, on Sunday, didn't they? Sunday, yeah. So Tottenham, obviously, and then the top four race. I think I've just seen there: uh, Arsenal, uh, Spurs, twelfth of May. Is that the final game of the season they've listed? Um, remember, it around was that time, because be, of COVID. Yeah. So if that comes down to them two, it's a Champions League. Place, that is, that's like massive. Mm-hmm. Man United all the way down in seventh. Yeah, they're shocking. Yeah, absolutely. They shocking. got lucky on uh, Saturday. I don't yeah. know if you saw. Saw the game. Saw the Leicester goal. Yeah. Saw the sending off that never was. Yeah, they, they they've got look. They've got a lot of work to do in the summer. So uh, be interesting to see what happens to them because I think their fans' patience are was wearing thin now. Yeah, and that it seems like every man and his dog is you know going to be the next manager. And yet, look. Pick one, get the right yeah. one, and you know what? Get behind it and get going. Because right now it's just chop change, chop change every couple of years. So they have far too many good young players um, f- for them to be struggling mm. like they're struggling. You know, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Did you catch the World Cup draw? I did, as usual. Southgate gets his. I'll tell you what, this guy. If you ever want someone to help you in a draw for a <laughs> tournament or whatever else, it's Gareth Southgate. Every tournament England's played, he's been in. I'm not saying he's not a great manager. I'm not saying he hasn't done well. He's done fabulous. But you have to admit, the draw's been very kind every time. Well, there could have been a lot worse. Oh, my God. Who's terrifying you, Iran? USA? Who's the final team in there? Either Ukraine, Scotland, or Wales. Yes, yeah, so that's going to be Wales, I'd imagine. Probably. Yeah, so any of those teams terrifying you? Only because of who they... Not because of the players they have, mm. but because, you know, the US... As we know, being here, want to put one over England. Seven points. They're going to beat America. Yeah. They're going to beat Iran, and they're going to draw against Wales. Yeah. There you go. You've heard it here first. And then they will have Senegal in the next round. Who's after that? Uh, Argentina. Yeah, not as strong as they used to be. Again, it's and and you think okay, but then you go back to Russia four years ago, Mm -hmm. and all the top teams were like knocked down on the way through. So nothing's a given. Um, The only thing I worry about for England is the heat. England notoriously don't do very well in hot climates, you know, when they go to World Cups. The only thing in their saving grace here is they'll be playing Premier League football. There won't be a big break. Yeah. They should be fucking sharp. As I fuck. like the fact there's not that much I like of a break that as well. I like because that too. the momentum. Yeah, sharp, match fit. There's no eight weeks down, there's yeah. no whatever else. You're going to be picking the best players at the top of their form at that stage. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You're going to try and get there? I was until I saw it was nine grand a night for hotels. Or I saw like the paper like, this what week. What the fuck? Uh, I don't know. My daughter's sixteenth is in November. She mm. was having a sweet sixteenth birthday party. That was sprung on me last week. Uh, it was always in my mind to go there mm. for the World Cup. Uh, I don't know is is my answer. Um, I've got business and stuff going on, you know, and uh, you know I, I cleared my. I wouldn't be doing football stuff, so yeah. I, I would have had, you know, a clear calendar to go and do it. Um, but yeah, who knows? Let's see. Yeah, I put myself in uh, rather over optimistically for the draw, for the draw <laughs> just thinking I probably can't afford the tickets and the accommodation if it ever came up. But I'll you just, never know. I'll be going down the tout route. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, not, it came up blank then. Um, but it's not going to be. It cheap. does make me laugh. The wall of virtue signal. I have to say, I have to laugh when I see the journalists 
And some of them I like and are friends of mine. And they're writing articles, you know, about the atrocities, the homosexuality, the, the you know, because obviously it's, it's illegal, isn't yeah. it, to be homosexual, which is horrific in these places. And they're arguing about the people who died building the stadiums, talking about how they treat women. And I'm reading all these articles, and these same people will go to this tournament. Mm-hmm. I'm then watching Southgate do interviews about it and Harry Kane, and I'm like, do me a favour, shut up. Either pull out and really make a statement... I shut the fuck up. Yeah. Because talking about it and then getting on the plane and going there, for me, is just hypocrisy. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. And if you're a journalist and you're writing articles about it and you're screaming about it and then you go and get your lovely VIP package, your flight, your hotel and your privileges and go to every game, how are you helping? Mm-hmm. You want to help all the journalists and media in the world lock out the tournament. Yeah. Come together and say none of us are going. And that makes a bigger dent than a bigger statement than actually all of you staying in your five-star hotels with your VIP tickets, writing articles about the atrocities while you're there watching a the game. Do, do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I know I probably sound harsh, but it's like I'm so fed up with everyone virtue signaling all the time about, I'm disgusted by this, and I'm disgusted by that. Oh, well, hang on a second. I'll take my first-class flight there. I'll take my five-star hotel room, and I'll take my lovely comfy seat in the stadium. Well, if you're that disgusted by it, boycott it properly. That's my opinion. Do you feel the same? Yeah, it's interesting that you... I heard an interview, I think, with Gareth Southgate mm. about this. I also heard an interview with um, Greg Berhalter, who yep. is the US coach. Yep. And they both basically said, well, we haven't decided what we're going to do yet to bring attention to this. Um, okay, so shut the fuck up. You have, because you're going. So you're not right. bringing any attention mm-hmm. to it. What you're basically saying is, oh, yes, the talking point we is we don't decided. like any of this, but we're still going. Yeah. No, Greg. No, Gareth. No, don't go. If, if one manager came out and said... I'm delighted England have qualified because the lads deserved it. I'll be stepping down for the tournament out of da-da-da-da-da and this is the reason I won't go. That makes a statement. And look, things go on in parts of the world that are horrific. And I could be vocal, you could be vocal. None of that's making any change. Mm -hmm. You know? You only hope to God as we evolve, as things move on, things change quickly. There's more rights for women. The homosexuality thing is knocked on the head. I mean the ban on that. Yeah. Um, you know, the atrocities that are going on where they have like, I mean, I've seen it myself, you know, where it's like people are brought in from other countries to work for like $200 mm-hmm. a month, you know, like slave labor. But again, I'm as guilty because I, I'm not virtue signaling here. I go on holiday to these places, yeah. you know, I'm not going to change that part of the world. So I just think people in sports who want to go on about it, if you want to do something about it, boycott it. Mm-hmm. Other than that, stop boring us with your opinions because they're irrelevant. All right, well, let's wrap things up. For no this questions? Um, I covered some of the things you, in you the, the uh, when we are talking about cool. um, um, earlier in the pod. So all right, well, look, you're uh, traveling. Yeah, so we're, we're going to see when we're going to do a next pod. It's either sure. going to be two or three weeks, I imagine. Okay. I'm on the road for a couple of weeks. You're back on the road to the UK. So um, I am, well, uh, I am, I am, I am. We will make it happen. We haven't been told by Grant that we're not allowed to podcast. So that's not <laughs> why if there's a gap, that's, that's, that's why. Fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, so uh, we're just not sure whether it's going to be a couple of weeks yeah. out or not. Well, listen, thanks for your support, guys. All the best. Take care. Yeah. Take care. Bye.